Good morning once again, church. We're glad that you're joining us here at Randall Church for our worship service this morning. And although it may be a little odd that we're separated by distance and we're coming together over the internet, we are so thankful to God that we are able to join us, join together in this medium. Uh, earlier in the service, we asked this question, is there something that you find hard to believe in? And maybe not necessarily a Bible topic, but something that you just find blows your mind. And uh, I've got Pastor Milo and Pastor Brian here with me, and we're going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes. But I do want to uh, make a comment that um, we understand that what's happening in our country right now is has many people with uh, heavy hearts. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that this, after, this morning. So please um, stay with us as we talk about that and as we open the word. But let's talk a little bit this morning, guys, about some things that we find hard to believe. Milo, is there something that you find hard to believe that just blows your mind? Well, like we said, we're going we're gonna to get maybe a little bit of a heavier topic that's at hand here this morning in just a moment. But uh, for just a more lighthearted kind of approach to it, uh, we really do find uh, what's going on uh, as far as our you know, shooting people in a rocket into the sky and connecting with someone on something that's orbiting the Earth right now, this space station. Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> and like, and particularly for those of us who grew up during a time where they were like making these shuttle launches every day of the week, it felt like, and it was like a normal thing. And, and to kind of watch that uh, through my kids' eyes has been just pretty spectacular. So uh, some of you know, we, we got away for a week and we were in uh, the state of Florida last week where the launch was at. Uh, Wednesday, we thought from where we were staying there on the other coast that we might be able to see uh, the launch if it were to happen that day and see the, the, the rocket go up into the sky. Uh, it got weather delayed, as you know, and so we weren't able to see it there, but it kind of built some excitement in our family for it. And so uh, I, it's just, it, it's astonishing, really, you know, that God has created some, something inside of us that allows us to just kind of pursue and explore in this way to see the great things that he has done, not only here on our planet, but elsewhere. It, it's incredible. It's unbelievable to it, me. It sure is. I remember, like you said, growing up as a kid, I grew up in the 80s, and one of the things I remember is um, just the whole space shuttle program. I remember I was part of some kind of space shuttle club where they would send me stickers and photos of astronauts. I think I have still have one of those. That's I'm sure that you still have That's the nerdiest yeah. thing I've ever yeah. heard. I'm, I'm certain that you still have them somewhere. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, but Brian, yeah, Professor Brian, yeah. what about you? Is there anything you find hard to believe? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you guys are saying, sort of being able to express uh, God's greatness through our technology, being able to do this in real time right now, mm -hmm. and being able to shoot people up in rockets. That's absolutely And, and actually to film amazing. it in real time, yeah. that's what's yeah. crazy yeah. about it to me. Like, they're going, like, as, as nuts as it is right now that we can talk to you on the screen, like, to be on a rocket shooting at 15,000 miles an hour and you're keeping a live video feed going? It's crazy. Like, yeah. How is that yeah. possible? So yeah, the expression we can do there, but then even on the individual level that uh, I think of artists right now, people who can do music and people who can do art, and this quarantine has given them a lot of time to be able to explore new new mediums, explore new uh, new adventures. And so just on, if you go on social media now, you can see some just absolutely amazing things that people are doing to express themselves, to talk about that, to see God's design in them. Um, and so you're seeing it on mass scales, you're seeing it on little like artists who are doing incredible things. Uh, I know in our home, uh, I, I saw it just a little bit here um, at, at our house. It was our, uh, two of our daughter's birthdays this weekend. Mm -hmm. And my uh, seven-year-old, now eight-year-old daughter, uh, she's a bit of an artist, and so she has different ideas all the time. So the day of her birthday, she said, I've changed my mind, I want an, an 
Anna from Frozen Cake instead of, and we were like, uh, it's a little too soon. But my wife, she mixed up a bunch of frosting, different colors, and she drew the most amazing frosting Anna on a birthday cake. And to me, that absolutely blows my mind. I don't know how people with that kind of artistic eye can do stuff like, because me, it'd be like smiley face and like that, like that was as good as I could do. So people with that kind of talent just, just amazed me. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great. I know one of the things I find myself doing is uh, occasionally, yeah, you get stuck on that, that video loop of just watching videos of people doing amazing things. And it just, yeah, like you said, yeah. right? How did they come up with that? How, How did they do that, you know? <laughs> well, this morning, um, I appreciate you if you've been answering some of those questions on Facebook. This morning, um, I wanna, um, we're going to talk about uh, something that was believe, unbelievable, if you will. We'll use that word. In fact, let's change the word. We're going to believe some, we're going to talk about something this morning that for the religious leaders of Jesus' day was simply inconceivable. <laughs> and I use that word a little tongue-in-cheek because as many of you know, there was a popular movie, The Princess Bride, and one of the most famous lines from that movie was given by the character Vizzini. And he continually says through the movie, that's inconceivable. And you, you might see a picture of him there on your screen. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and that guy is a great character there in that movie. But believe it or not, guys, that line is only said five times within the whole movie. So you would think they would say it every single scene, but it's only said five times throughout the movie. But it's such a memorable line. Well, this morning, we're going to open the scriptures we're going to take a look at a passage of the scriptures where the religious leaders of the Apostles' Day uh, found something inconceivable. It was hard for them to believe. And as we do that, I pray that we would find hope for our own life and that we would be able to draw closer to the Lord as we open his word. So let's do that. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open that up to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 22 this morning. And uh, we're going to take a look at God's word. We're going to take a look at the book of Acts as we continue through our series of Table Talk and as we continue going through the book of Acts. So Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. Now before uh, we read our scripture in Acts, let's just take a, a review of what we talked about last week, what led up to where we're at now. If you remember from last week, Peter and John were in the temple. There was a man that they had seen, and uh, the man uh, was lame from birth, the scripture tells us. And Peter and John say to the man, silver and gold, we ha I have none, but what I give you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, the man is healed. And the folks that are witnessing this, they are amazed, they're shocked. It says in the Bible that people were wondering what was going on. And we learned from last week and from Acts chapter 3 that Jesus Christ is the power by which this man was healed. And Peter and John make that a point. And we made that our point last week as Pastor Brian and I talked that it was through the name of Jesus that this man was healed. Well, as we get to chapter 4 today, we are still on this same story, but now we are introduced to a few more characters who are investigating what happened to this man who had been lame since birth. So if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter, one, verse, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. As we read here in this scripture, and what I'm going to do in the next few minutes as we open up the text is just walk us through these first 22 chapters, and then we're going to go and have a little bit of discussion about what we read. But what we see happening here is that uh, Peter and John are brought before the leaders. The leaders want to know what are they doing proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. They've talked about Jesus Christ. 
and now the religious leaders want to know exactly what's going on. As the narrative goes on, we see that they arrest Peter and John, they bring them before the religious leaders, and they ask them, what is it you guys are doing? And Peter and John reply in verse 8. They state, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. What a great testimony from Peter and John about the power of Jesus Christ. As we mentioned in chapter 3, they reveal that to the people and now to the religious leaders. And they go on and the religious leaders are a little, um, they're a little angry at Peter and, and John. They want to know exactly what in the world they're doing. And so we read on through verse 13 that they confer, they gather together. The religious leaders become afraid of actually confessing among the people that this miracle has happened. And so they debate amongst themselves what it is they will tell the people. And then they call Peter and John back into the, their audience, and we read in verse 18 these words. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And with that, the religious leaders tell John and Peter to stop speaking in the name of Jesus, but they have to let them go. And this passage ends with telling us that this man was 40 years old. For 40 years, this man suffered from his ailment, and through the power of Jesus Christ, he was healed. Pastor Brian, as we look at the scripture today, we're introduced to the religious leaders, mm -hmm. the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, excuse me, some of the temple leaders. Yeah. Would you mind giving us just a little bit of background about these folks? Why is it so important here that the, the scripture tells us that they were against the resurrection and things like that? Give us some insight onto that. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's good that we, we look into this because, yeah, they specifically tell us, and, and we'll read here in Acts 4, 1 and 2 again. Let's go over that again. It says this, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so we get this kind of this description, the priest, the captain of the temple, but then uh, more of their formal name, they say the Sadducees came up. And so a little bit of background on that. The Sadducees were a powerful party system of wealthy priests, especially high priests, and sort of their aristocrat uh, uh, friends, their cronies a little bit. They kind of formed this very powerful political party uh, in those days. And really the center of their, uh, their strength was the temple. So these were the, these were the priests. These were the, those who controlled the worship, controlled the rituals, controlled the messaging of how it is that we were going to live in daily life. So you can imagine this is why they had so much power, is that they really did control the branding and the messaging 
of what so-called, in their eyes, what God had said. And so they enjoyed their place of power, they enjoyed their place of influence, and they used sort of that political position and, and practical real sense of, of savvy and of, of, of being able to kind of work the system to maintain that for years. And so what they would do is they would buddy up to whatever systems would keep them in power. And so in, in the, these days, it was Rome. Rome was the, the, the party, uh, Rome was the empire that would, had the power, and so they knew that, and so they were constantly working in co- cohesion with Rome in order to kind of maintain their power in the temple. So these are people that had a very vested interest in keeping the status quo exactly why it is, because they were the ones in charge. Now, one thing about Sadducees is that they only accepted the first five books of the law, of Moses' law, the first five books of the Bible, as authoritative. They, they believed that the other uh, parts of the Old Testament were, were true as well, but those were really the ones that they found truly authoritative. And in those books, it doesn't talk about the resurrection at all. And so they made sure, they said, listen, you can talk resurrection. We do not believe in the resurrection because it does not, if, if, if resurrection was true, God would have put it in his first five books. So there was a theological reason behind their, uh, their disbelief in the resurrection. But there was also a political one because in those days, resurrection was a symbol of revolution and of revolt. It was a symbol of something needed to die, something needed to end so that something new could be born, something new could... So when you started talking resurrection, people whose main aim was to stay on top and to keep the status quo, resurrection was not a theme that they wanted to talk much about. So they tried to squash that idea of of revolt and, and, and standing up to Rome and things like that. They didn't want that because Rome was the very people that were propping them up to maintain power. So if you're a Sadducee, here's, so let's put it in, in, in our story this morning. If you're a Sadducee, you have men standing up in your temple, the place that is, is your, uh, your stomping ground, that you, the place where you keep control, saying that people and their leaders acted in ignorance. We looked at that last week. So he, they, li- they literally are calling them out, saying you acted in ignorance, preaching the resurrection of Jesus, calling to repentance, this is actually threatening your very way of life. And so they squash this thing. They have to actually show a demonstration of power in order to kind of put them in your place. If you, if you uh, remember the passage we just read, they come up to Peter and John while they are still speaking, right? They cut them off even. They don't even wait for them to end. It says that they come to them while they're still speaking to the, te- to the people. They cut them off. They take them into prison. They actually leave them in prison overnight, and now they're going to call them before the Sanhedrin, which is, a, uh, which is their sort of uh, judicial system back in those days. Call them, call them to task. And so there's this big kind of power play that they do in order to try to maintain that status quo that they're trying to do. All of this to say is this, right? When you, and I think this is one of the big uh, takeaways here. When you choose the way of Jesus... When you choose the way of Jesus, Jesus is going to ask you sometimes to stand up to things that will threaten that they'll threaten systems that are not gospel-centered. There are systems in this world that are not gospel-centered, that are anti-gospel. And the way of Jesus asks us to stand up to those systems. And when we do that, there will always be people 
who are benefiting from the system, who are profiting from the system, that will stand in opposition to that. Mm. And so here in this passage, we see that there is a system that needs to be reformed, that this political system, this, uh, this Sadducee system, needs to, be, uh, uh, needs to be reformed. And men are standing up to say, you are acting in ignorance. You, we need to recognize the resurrection of Jesus, and we need to follow him. And those who benefit from the system are going to stand in their way. And I think as we continue this conversation this morning, we, we can see the parallels in our day. And we, we see that even from last night, that there are, there, is a, there are systems of oppression, there are systems of injustice, there are systems that uh, lead to some people winning and some people losing. And when we go the way of Jesus, we are asked to walk and to stand up to systems of injustice and oppression and there will always be people that will stand in the way of that because they profit from it. Now, there's a lot more we're going to say on that, but we see a lot of that very thing happening here with the Sadducees. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Brian, for, for opening that, our eyes to that. Uh, one of the things I find uh, interesting about what you say and, and is uh, the simple fact that the, the, this group of people only looked at the first five books. Yeah. One of the themes we see happening in the book of Luke, the book of Acts, who were written by the same person, is that, uh, the, that Luke makes it a point to show that Jesus has been revealed in all of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that phrase is used a couple of times in the book of Luke, the writings, the prophets, mm -hmm. the law, which, is, which to a, a person who heard that in, in the first century Jewish mind would, would mean all of the scriptures, Everything. not yeah. just the first five books. Right. So it's, it's really interesting then how, um, how we see that playing out in scripture because all of scripture is important. And this morning, I think what we want, we want to be able to address what's happening in our world. I think it, it would be amiss for us as a pastoral staff to, to not address those things. But we want to be careful and address those things in light of the gospel, in light of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So thank you mm -hmm. for bringing those things out. Because there is, a, there is a supernatural element to our world. There's a physical, there's a supernatural. And we know that the scripture says that there are principalities in, in, of the air that are trying to rule and reign. But can we talk about this morning about the one who has overcome? Yeah. And that's Jesus Christ. So thank you for sharing that, Brian. In fact, as we look at the resurrection, the inconceivable thing that, that these folks just couldn't believe, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is a theme that we find throughout all of the New Testament. This is a theme, and this word is used throughout all of the New Testament because it is the foundation, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the foundation of our faith. You want proof? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul makes it a point in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to talk about the resurrection of Jesus and how it is an important element of our faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's interesting that Paul is addressing a situation within the church where people had come into the fellowship and they had actually started saying that the resurrection did not happen. Hmm. That uh, that the resurrection will not happen of the dead. And of course, Paul, being a man who had encountered Jesus on the road to, to Damascus, knew that the resurrection had mm -hmm. happened because he had seen the risen Lord. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, and here's that phrase, 
according to the scriptures, mm. that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The truth of the matter is, is that we serve a resurrected, risen Lord who has overcome death and the grave through his resurrection. And that's something that this morning we can rejoice in despite our current circumstances. We have hope in a resurrected Jesus Christ who is offering eternal life to those who believe in him. In fact, Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then our faith is futile. And I love how, at least the NIV uses that word, it's futile. Mm -hmm. And he says, if, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are still in our sins. You see, the Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins on the cross and that he rose again to give us eternal life on the third day. If that resurrection didn't happen, there would be no hope of life. <laughs> there would be no hope in Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says if the resurrection didn't happen, then matter of fact, all of us here on the stage, anyone who's ever preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are actually misrepresenting God if the resurrection didn't happen. But we know that's not the case. We know that Christ has indeed, indeed been raised from the grave, the grave. We know that he is alive, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and for that we can rejoice. Mm. This past week was the memorial service for Ravi Zacharias. And I found myself on Saturday watching that. Uh, I was supposed to be doing some reading, preparing for my sermon, but <laughs> I was just enthralled watching the, the memorial service for Ravi Zacharias that took place in Atlanta. And as that service came to a close, one of the things that Louis Giglio mentioned as he was wrapping up the message was that Ravi Zacharias is in the presence of Jesus. And he's in the presence of Jesus because of the resurrection, because Christ has given us the power to rise again when we die and to be with the Lord. And Louis Giglio made this comment that I loved, and I hope I can say it accurately. He said basically that there's some Georgia clay that has a shell of a man, but that man is with Jesus. Hmm. And I thought that was such a wonderful statement to say about the fact that when we die with our hope in Jesus, we will be with the Lord Jesus in his kingdom. This morning, I'm not sure where you're at in your walk with Christ. Do you have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you have hope in the fact that Jesus died for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life? If not, Today, right now, in this moment, is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my life. That's as simple a prayer as it needs to be, putting our faith hmm. in Christ. This message was so important to Peter and John that they were willing to stand up to the religious leaders of their day and proclaim that Jesus Christ has raised from the dead. Pastor Milo, if you wouldn't mind, talk to us a little bit about the importance of being faithful to God particularly in situations where it may go against authority or obeying yeah. authority. Thanks, Pastor Mario. As, as, as the reality of this kind of situation that we're in here in Buffalo, we want to talk about that this morning. Um, I just want to talk for just briefly about how God uh, works in our lives and how his timeline is not our timeline. Uh, specifically here as a teaching team, you know, we had this text in front of us for months and months and months, and little would we know that the night before we want to share it with you, uh, that, that something would happen here in Buffalo, uh, that we would be able to have a text that deals with it directly. 
And so we are here in Acts chapter 4, repeating for you again, beginning in verse 18, we begin to see kind of the response of what's going on. They called them back in. This is the religious leaders. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, now underline this, mark this in your Bibles. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. So this morning, many of you uh, opened up uh, your phones, you, you grabbed your newspaper. The Buffalo News headline this morning is, The city, uh, city Wakes Up to a Damaged City. And so uh, there, there's a, a tongue-in-cheek perhaps there that, that that newspaper is putting in there, that, that, that is the city waking up to something uh, that's going on. And as we've used this word this morning, it simply is inconceivable, unbelievable of what we have going on here uh, but again, to start a little bit more lighthearted than that, uh, my, my son Elias, I've, I've raised three girls and now we're raising a boy. As he uh, is getting older, he, he, he does this thing that we call civil disobedience. Uh, he does it in our home. And, and, and as, a, as a baby, he would not throw a temper tantrum, he would not throw a fit. He would literally lay down, face on the ground, put his hands at his side, put his forehead on the floor and not do anything. I mean, that was his plan for how to uh, keep us from being able to force him uh, to do something. Uh, but on a much more difficult layer than just something that happens with our home is this idea of civil disobedience and where is the church in this and how do we uh, respond to this. And so this is a very serious matter. It's an issue that uh, is affecting all of us here in Buffalo this morning and not just in our city, but cities all over the United States today. Uh, we are waking up to something that is going on in our cities and we want to be able to talk about that. And so... Uh, if that means for you today, that means that you need to mark this point uh, in our Facebook stream today to say, how is the church going to respond or what are we supposed to do? You know, we're here at about, uh, let's see, 39 minutes or so into our broadcast this morning. If you need to mark that so you can hear what we have to say, here it is. I was downtown yesterday. Uh, one of our elders uh, uh, notified me that there was going to be a march downtown and he wanted to go. And so I joined him, my wife and I joined him, and we went and we did uh, join in the peaceful protest in the march uh, for Black Lives Matter, uh, the march having to do with uh, George Floyd and, and his uh, just senseless death uh, in relation to police brutality. Uh, we walked with pastors from around our area, uh, with African-American brothers and sisters we have in Christ here, serving our city because they're telling us that we need to respond to this, we need to do something. Uh, we, we also were not there when things changed, when the attitude of the, uh, of the evening changed over. And, and those of us who were there, we saw it firsthand, uh, the way that there was a peaceful demonstration that was, that was uh, provided and the way that there was a, a definite and specific group of people uh, who we find out now by, by the Mayor Brown that, that they did not uh, originate here from our city, that they are being instigated uh, from outside of our neighborhood and outside of this is the city of good neighbors. These were not our neighbors who were instigating violence. And so there is a difference between civil disobedience. There's a difference between being able to, to respond and to be able to act out against uh, what's, what's there and being able to do something uh, that's, that's inappropriate. And so when we find here in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, we see uh, the Apostle John, we see the Apostle Peter, they, they say, we cannot help but speaking 
Uh, and, and a few verses later in chapter 5, verse 29, they say, we must obey God rather than men. We are going to raise our voices. Uh, they're actually referring back to the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7 through 9, he, he gives you the, the definition of what it is to be a prophet. He says, Whether I, whenever I speak, I cry out and I say and I, I, I cry out about destruction and awful things that are going to happen to my people Israel. And in doing so, I'm ridiculed, I'm mocked by my own people. But yet, my words must continue to be spoke. They burn inside me like fire. I must speak. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle John are, are grabbing a hold of this truth as they are speaking. In Daniel chapter 3, we meet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and their government was corrupt, their people were corrupt, they're trying to keep them from being able to worship, and they responded that by saying, we will not bow down to this idol. In Luke uh, chapter 24, Jesus charges his disciples, he says that the forgiveness of sins absolutely must be preached. They've been given that instruction, and Peter and John take this instruction, and they respond by saying, we cannot help but speaking. Now, we also cannot help but speaking, but we must be reminded, we must be reminded that we like it. We actually, we love it when people praise our church. We love it when people praise our actions and, and give encouraging press uh, for things that we do as a church. But will we still be bold enough to speak? When, will we be willing to face the scorn if necessary if we must speak? And so in these situations, we must speak. We will do it in a civil manner. We will do it in a manner that glorifies God because ultimately civil disobedience uh, requires one of the fruits of the Spirit that we are not very good at, and that is the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. That's true civil disobedience. And what happened last night was a group of people who became impatient. They did not get the response that they wanted, and it began to get out of control. One of the things that was being chanted over and over and over is, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, related to George Floyd. Also, what was being quoted was, no justice, no peace, no justice, no peace. And I want to respond to that this morning is, you need to know Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, friends. And ultimately, we have to be reminded that he is the Prince of Peace. And we will fight against injustice and we will fight for peace. But it is the Prince of Peace who will return and make all things new. And so it's with a heavy heart this morning that we share these things with you. It's with a heavy heart knowing that our city is damaged and broken. And maybe you are waking up to that this morning for the first time. But it, our response is to bring Jesus to come with the Prince of Peace, because it's through him that we find the resurrection and the life. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Myler, for that. We know that a lot of folks in our country are hurting. We know that there may be some of our congregation who are just feeling the weight of what's happening in our country. And so thank you, Pastor, for just sharing that from your heart, being present. Can we just be honest this morning? We've been kind of lighthearted, but we do want to, we do want to be serious about what is happening in our country. We want, to, we want to be serious about the spiritual nature of these things also. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Can I tell you that this morning, the injustices that we see, not just what's happened in this last week, but injustice all over the world, but particularly this week because it's so fresh, can I tell you that that injustice 
the sin that's involved with that injustice hangs on the cross. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The Bible says that Jesus took that sin. Listen, if you're watching today and you don't think it's an injustice to, uh, to think badly about your brother, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us we should love our brothers. We shouldn't say things about someone that is created in God's image. We shouldn't think bad things about people that are created in God's image. But yet that sin, the Bible tells us, sits on Jesus. Hmm. This morning, as we begin to wrap up our service, we want to pray for what's happening. We want to pray for the fact that Jesus Christ, the giver of life, we want to pray that he would fill our hearts with his love and that his peace would reign, as Pastor Milo said, that the peace of God would reign in our hearts and in this world. And we thank God for the peace that he has given us through Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life, the purpose we have for living through his resurrection. Before we do that, though, I do want to open it up. Guys, is there anything that we see on, on our Facebook feed that we want to address or anything that any specific prayers that we see happening coming across? Um, not specifically on the feed yet, but um, there is something I wanted to share. I saw it. You mentioned Rabbi Zacharias and how he had passed away. Uh, this week from cancer, um, and this, or ser service was uh, this week. Uh, I, I ran into a post today that really, or uh, yesterday, that really hit home to me. It was a picture of him and another famous evangelist uh, who had died of cancer a few years back, and there's a picture of them sitting together. And I love the post. It says this, uh, uh, I love this photo. One of them is of a Hindu culture, and the other is from a Muslim family. These two, one was from, one is Indian, and the other is Pakistani. And the world would have them be enemies, but Jesus Christ made them brothers. Brothers who ministered together and testified of the one who gave them new life, eternal life. And both remain steadfast in their suffering and today are now in the presence of Jesus. It's the idea that what, what the world says is enemies, uh, the Lord brings together through his resurrection, right? Through new life, through recognizing for us that we are all sinful, that we all deserve the same thing, and that together then through the resurrection, as you've been saying, through Jesus Christ and his resurrection and new life, uh, what the world would have us be enemies, we are now brothers. And that's what the power of the gospel does, and that's what will fix whatever's broken in this world. And uh, I think that that is something you've been trying to hammer home. And it starts with us. It starts with us individually recognizing uh, our own sin, our own brokenness, our need for a savior, which brings us together with anyone who needs the same thing as well. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Uh, and during the intro, one of the songs that we sang is All My Hope Was In Jesus. Hmm. You know, it was recorded a year ago. Uh, but that's going to be true today. That's going to be true next week. It's going to be true uh, whatever's coming at us. And it was true uh, last night at 11 o'clock at night that all of our hope is in Jesus. And, and many of the people who organized uh, this rally, uh, they did it with great intentions. They had every intention uh, for this to be a very civil uh, environment, uh, for every intention for it to, to speak volumes uh, to there being a peaceful protest. And yet that was taken away, and yet that was damaged, and yet that was, that was uh, broken from, from what they intended. And yet we need to be reminded that this world we live in is broken, and it is damaged, mm -hmm. and it's not what was intended. But all of our hope is in Jesus. Amen. All of our hope is in Jesus. And so we must come back to that again and again and again, and we must come back to who he is, because we ourselves will fail. There was many people, myself included, that were there. Uh, we, we failed 
we, we failed in the sense of stopping uh, what was about to happen. We failed in that sense. Uh, the, the police officers who were there, their response, uh, as well as I could tell, was as, as positive a response as you could have in the face of that. But humankind, we will fail. We are sinners, mm -hmm. right? We will fail one another. We must understand that all of our hope is in Jesus, Amen. the Prince of Peace. And Amen. so, yeah, Pastor Mario, I'd say the call here on Facebook is just for prayer. Prayer. Um, yeah. Praying, uh, praying for our church, praying for our country, praying for uh, these these uh, these relations to do. Yeah. So, would would you join? Yeah. Would you uh, lead us in that? Let's do that. Let's take a moment together, and we're going to pray. And you pray where you're at. If you're with your family, uh, pray with your family as I pray for those who are joining us on the feed. Pray with someone that's with you, or just join me in as we come to the Lord in prayer. Mm. God, we are so grateful this morning for the opportunity to be together as a church. The room is empty, just Pastor Milo, Brian, myself, the tech crew. But we are joined together with your people, mm -hmm. wherever they're watching. God, and we just come to you at this time. Lord, I just lift up to you our country. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Pastor, would you pray, please? Mm. Lord, we lift up to you our country. We know that it's broken. We know that it's damaged. We know that things are not right. But we worship you. You tell us in your scripture that you will make all things new. Lord, begin that work in my heart. Begin that work in the hearts of the pastors here on this platform. Lord, that there is something that needs to change inside of me and I can't change it myself. Lord, we trust you begin that work in us. Lord, begin that work in our church. We know that our church is broken. We know that our church is damaged. We know that we don't always have the right response when we need to. Begin that work in our church, in our people. Begin repairing us. Make all things new. Lord, you are the resurrection. You are the life. You are all the hope that we have. And so we put our trust in you this morning. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We want to keep the conversation going, so as, uh, as we begin to wrap things up, feel free to leave your comments on Facebook and to uh, just continue the conversation. We'll leave the Facebook feed up for a little bit longer. Uh, Pastor Milo, share with us some of the announcements and things that we've got for this week for our congregation. Uh, thank you, uh, Mari. We're going to just walk through really quickly uh, our schedule for the week. Uh, we know that many of you uh, know these things, but there are some who are viewing maybe for the first time. We just want to make you aware of some of the things that are available to you. Uh, Sunday night, uh, that's tonight, uh, we have a 6 p.m. high school group. That's a Zoom call with Pastor Mario and youth leadership. And so uh, if you're not aware of that already, uh, we want to make you aware. So let us know. We'll be able to get you a Zoom link uh, to be able to be a part of that. On Monday evening, uh, the Zoom virtual group is with Aaron and myself, my wife. Uh, this is a change because up till now we've been only broadcasting with Facebook Live and we're realizing that there's some components missing that we want to get better at. We're, we're learning in a lot of ways how to get better at communicating with one another during uh, this crisis. And so uh, we're going to transition beginning tomorrow night to a Zoom call uh, so that we can get a two-way conversation going. We're going to also attempt to stream that live so that you can, you can see that as well. But uh, if you're interested, please email us, uh, and then we'll be sending out a Zoom link to our email uh, subscribers uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, to make sure that you have that link available to you. And we'll be covering much of the topic that we covered today in regards to Acts chapter 4 here. On Tuesday, uh, with the students, we have uh, the Randall Youth live stream is Tuesday at 2. Uh, this will be the last one uh, that will be done live. 
I will st still do some fun things, but as the kind of the, the end of the school year, the semester's coming to a close, uh, we're going to kind of transition away from this uh, live stream. So it's the last one. So make sure students are there. I know my kids have missed a few of them. <laughs> Don't miss this one, Wilson kids, and the rest of you. Uh, you want to be there Tuesday at 2 with Pastor Mario uh, as well. Uh, Tuesday evening is the middle school group, similar to the high school group, meets on Tuesday evening. It's a Zoom call, uh, 6.30 p.m. Tuesday evening. Look for that email. Uh, Wednesday evening, we come to uh, a Zoom virtual group. Again, this is Mar Mar excuse me, Brian and Molly, uh, their group. Uh, they've been leading all the way through the uh, pandemic. Uh, they'll be leading this as well, changing over to a Zoom call. We're trying to really find some different ways to kind of make some deeper connections that last beyond uh, just a few weeks. We want to be able to make that connection there. So look for an email link there. If you want to be able to get it ahead of time, just shoot us an email and we'll do that as well. Thursday night. Our, our partner groups, Christian Service Brigade, will be continuing to have just a few more meetings with our boys uh, to be able to uh, talk to them, interact with them as the semester is kind of coming to a close with that. Our American Heritage Girls groups, they've already finished their semester, and so the boys will just go a couple more weeks and they'll close that down. Uh, but again, that's through distance learning, distance connection, uh, different ways that each of the age groups are kind of interacting on that. But that will be closing down over the next couple weeks. But Thursday night, uh, there will still be a meeting uh, with that. Uh, Friday night, we give you the night off. Uh, Saturday, uh, you'll get an email from uh, our Randall Kids Director, uh, Stephanie, and she's sending out email each week to her parents that has uh, something that your kids can be doing on Sundays, either while this broadcast is going on with the adults or something that you can interact with later. They're doing a fantastic job with that, so we thank you so much for that. If you haven't seen that again, we'd love to give you that email link uh, to be able to there. Then Sunday next week, uh, we will be gathering uh, once again. Now, we don't have a time slot on here. We want to do that because we want to make you aware that there may be a change between today and seven days from now. And this is based on the phase planning that's happening in New York State. And so right now we are in phase one, as most of you know. As the week progresses, it's possible that New York State will change over to phase two. If you were with us in the annual meeting, uh, we shared, I'll just hold this up for you to see it a long distance away, uh, but we shared with you our phase plan of what we're looking at in uh, going into phase two, there will be some changes. And so uh, phase two, most likely going to two service times. Uh, we're, we're toying with the idea of being able to do a drive-in service uh, or, or some different types of interactions with, uh, at this point, the groups of 10 or less. And so uh, we're going to have to really do a good job of communicating with you this week. We just want to make you aware. We're not making any announcements yet uh, because we're watching very closely as to what the state is doing as far as phase two is concerned. So as we transition into phase two, just be aware that next Sunday may look differently. Uh, but no matter what, we will be on Facebook Live next Sunday. So many of you just stay tuned there at Facebook Live. That will be the way that you'll be able to interact and then YouTube later. Speaking of Sundays, we want to again point out uh, that we ask you to give online, give.randallchurch.org. Uh, we just want to celebrate with you, first of all, and say thank you for your generosity. Uh, during this pandemic, our congregation, you have stepped up, and many of you have begun giving online. There's been a shift from those who have uh, used to give in the offering plant or, or mail in their checks that now you are giving online. We thank you so much for that. To the point that early this year, January, February timeframe, uh, we were getting between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars in the hole that we've been working out of during that time frame. And and the worst case scenario is to hit a pandemic in the middle of working out of that hole. And particularly the very first week that we were uh, not meeting in this room, 
Uh, we normally expect about eight to nine thousand dollars a week in our offering, and we had about twelve to fifteen hundred dollars come in that week, and it looked pretty uh, bleak there for a little bit. But thank you for your generosity. It starts a bit up today, May the thirty-first is the last day. This is the last time uh, that you can give for our fiscal year, and we are very close. We're within a few thousand dollars of being out of that hole and being in the black at the end of the year. So we encourage you. Would you please? Uh, would you give this week? Give.randallchurch.org. Help us get over the hump as far as getting out of the year uh, in the black, as well as setting up those recurring payments because those things uh, allow us to really schedule out our budget well in the coming year. So thank you so much uh, for that. And it also allows us to be able to do some really neat things. And so we've been busy doing some presence projects, being busy at work. And Brian, man, you've got some details there on some of the ways that, that our church is being generous, not just financially. Yeah, we're hearing lots of different things, lots of different stories of things that are going on. Things from our signage uh, that have gone out, the Randall Loves You things, conversations that are happening between neighbors right now, which are really, really exciting to see. Uh, last week, we helped uh, Sandy Rose, who's uh, moving with, uh, with, her, with her family, the Gross family, out uh, to Pennsylvania here soon. Uh, they helped to move her last week. And uh, so here's just a, a photo of a, a group from Randall. Again, the neighbors saw this group helping. They know the sign. And so these are natural uh, ways and conversations that are coming up about what are you guys doing? What's happening? Why are you uh, helping this person move? Um, some really great uh, guide conversations that that come out of things uh, like this. I will say, though, as you look at this picture, uh, we got an email. Bonnie Schoenthal, if you're watching, uh, she sent us an email this week kind of saying, hey, you're too close. Where are the masks? Uh, what's going on here? So, uh, Pastor Mario, do you have a defense of this photo? <laughs> Defend yourself, sir. We, we, we did. Uh, we, we tried our best to social distance. I will say for the fo this photo, it is what you see. We did come close together. But you see uh, our elder Cliff and one of the, a couple of the Hamiltons there with their masks on. So we did our best to social distance as we were helping it was just for that photo then, yeah. So there you go, Bonnie. We, we did our best to, uh, to try to do that. Uh, for, the, for the coming week, uh, in the summers, we'll be offering different presence projects as they come up. Um, it might not be weekly anymore, but as people are on vacation and stuff, uh, we will try to continue to let you know about presence projects uh, that are, that are uh, bubbling to the surface. One that actually we are planning on for next Sunday. Uh, we're excited about that. You will get, be getting an email uh, very soon about details of that. That's all we can say right now, but you'll be getting an email here pretty soon about uh, a presence project that, uh, that we're cooking up here for next week. So be looking for that as well. So if you haven't picked up on it, we expect this week to be a busy week for communication-wise, that we're going to be sending a flurry of emails. Yeah. There's a number of things as we kind of transition into the coming weeks here. Uh, email is going to be as far as we're going to post things on Facebook, but particularly uh, for those of you who are you know, part of the inward portion of our church, uh, th that are part of the community here as a church, check your emails. Be well aware that we're going to be sending out a fair amount of mm -hmm. things this week, so be aware of that. Amen. Well, folks, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, pastors. Uh, a lot of information today, but we trust that God has been glorified. And this is the beauty of having technology. You can always rewind and catch what you <laughs> be missed. Be kind, rewind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Again, we are just blessed to be together, even though we may be distant. And in all things, we just want God to be glorified. So mm. we pray that you would have a blessed week. Today is a fifth Sunday, which normally would be a family Sunday in our congregation. So spend some time with the family today. And have a great Sunday and a blessed week. God bless you. We love you. Take care.